If you've been with us, we're walking through the Bible in uh, about 16 different passages. We're kind of taking the whole Bible story. Uh, Genesis to Revelation. We've talked about the idea that, that God created a kingdom and that he was king. We talked about the idea that he created man to put in that kingdom, to be the new ruler of that kingdom, and that man chose to follow Satan rather than God. We talked about the idea that God came along and he made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to, or, or he, dealt with, he dealt with Satan and, and the curse and said, you know, I'm going to fix this thing. And then he came along with Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going I'm to raise from you a new nation. I'm going to do something that you think is impossible. And uh, we talked about the idea of Judah, um, the idea that, that, that through him, um, through his tribe, God would bring the, the Messiah, he would bring the one to bruise the head of, uh, of Satan. And uh, last week we talked about the Passover. We, we talked about the idea that God instituted a way that a sacrifice could be made and a substitute could take the place of the punishment that a nation or that an individual deserved. And we talked about the Passover, and I had the door up here, and we, we talked about the significance of that in the nation of Israel. Um, what happens then from that point is later um, Israel continues to, they come out of Egypt at the Passover event. They go through a, a whole bunch of griping and complaining with God. On tip, 10 different occasions they griped and complained and said, God, you just brought us out here to kill us. And finally God said, you know what, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. You want to die in the wilderness? You'll die in the wilderness. And so um, basically everyone under the age of 20 was able to go into promised land because God said, you know what, um, I will give to your children that which I promised to you. And, and, and by the way, there, there's a principle in, in the whole Egypt thing um, and in the, wonder, in the wilderness thing. And, and here's one of the principles. Look, if we don't use what God gives us, God doesn't waste his resources, so he's just going to pass it on to somebody else. And it's important that when you and I have things from God that we, make, that, that we are good stewards of that which we have. And um, so God basically looks at the children of Israel and says, you know what, you're going to die in the wilderness. I'm going to give it to your children. You know the story. Moses dies. Joshua takes over. They go into the promised land. They start conquering and taking over places. And, and you know all those stories. Eventually, after Israel has been in the land for a little bit, they get weary of not being like everyone else. And so Israel comes to the, comes to the prophet Samuel at the time and says, hey, we want a king like everybody else. Give us a king. And Samuel goes, you know, this isn't a good idea. And they say, no, we want a king just like everybody else. So Samuel goes to God, and God says, all right, I'll give him a king. And he gives him a guy by the name of Saul. You know the story. Then the guy by the name of David comes along, and David starts to uh, actually be more of a king than Saul was. And uh, eventually God takes the kingdom from Saul and gives it to a guy by the name of David. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning because there's a significant event that happens in the life of David that is a pivotal point in the Bible story, in the Bible narrative. Um, many people will know it as the Davidic covenant. Uh, so let me set the scene for you. What's happened is David has been king for about seven years. It's a time of peace. It's a time of rest. They've already done all the battles. David's now kind of settling in. He's made Jerusalem the capital. David's got a really nice house, and he's looking around going, you know what, God worships, we worship God in a tent. I really want to build God a nice house. I mean, why should my house be nicer than God's house? So David comes to the prophet Nathan, 
and he says, hey, I want to build God a house. Um, what do you think? And that's where we're going to pick up our story. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, here's the story. It goes like this. After the king was settled in his palace, the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies, and he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. So he comes to, to the prophet for godly counsel. Again, in this time period, there's no written Bible. Okay? So most of the people went to the prophet to understand what God wanted them to do. Um, and with the underneath Saul... Uh, Saul's prophet was Samuel. David's prophet was Nathan. Um, and we see Nathan on a couple occasions in the life of David. We see him here. We see him in the story of Bathsheba. We see him in the, in the coronation of Solomon. Uh, he plays a big role in, in it. But here, David comes to him and goes, Hey, Nathan, I, I kind of want to build God a house thing. What do you think? And he goes, Go for it. And I'll notice what happened. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I move with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers who I'm commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Going on. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture. From tending the flock, I appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone. I've cut off all of your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. I will provide a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own, no longer to be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and, and have done since the time I appointed leaders over a people of Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. Going on. Uh, next one. Then the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood I will establish, in, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who built a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod welded by men, with floggings afflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan then reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So that night, God comes to Nathan and he says, Hey, look, we got a problem here. I know you told him to go ahead. I need you to go back and tell him uh, we need to rethink this. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So now what happens is God now comes to, to Nathan and he says, Hey, look, you got to go back and make this right. So Nathan goes back to David and he gives him everything that we just read. In the Bible, this is a pivotal point. This is called the Davidic covenant. Um, there are some people that believe in, some people that, that put the Bible, when we go to understand the Bible, we understand it in different ways. Um, there are some people that look at it um, in, in what we call covenants. And uh, they would have looked at um, the uh, covenant with Moses as the, the time period of the Mosaic covenant. And then they looked at the, the part with David as the Davidic covenant. And then, like, the time of the apostles is the new covenant. And so they divide it up that way. Other people divide it up into dispensations or a way that God works. But in this case, what happens is we have 
We have God, just as he made a covenant with Moses, now making another covenant with David. So things kind of shift a little bit here. And this becomes a very, very pivotal point. And notice what he says to David. He, he tells him, he says, your, your house and your kingdom will forever be destroyed, be, uh, be forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. But he tells him, he says, look, David, here's what you need to understand. You're not going to be the guy to build the house. You're not going to be the guy to build my temple. Now, when we get to the book of Chronicles, we're told why, by the way. And the reason that David was not allowed to build it is because David was a warrior. And David was a person who was known for killing people and a fighter. David was not a builder. David was a fighter. And God said, my house isn't going to be built by a fighter. So it's going to be built by a builder. And so Solomon, his son, is the one who builds the house. And he builds the temple. And hence, we know it as Solomon's temple. Okay? And the temple is established then in Jerusalem. You have this as a pivotal point. Because God says, look, here's what I'm going to do, David. I'm going to bring my king King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm going to bring him through your lineage now. You are now the king, and I'm going to establish through your kingdom an eternal kind of thing. Um, and so we, we have him laying this whole thing out. So uh, a whole bunch of principles in this thing. I'm going to try to run through uh, four or five of them because I, I, I think there's some really great stuff for us to learn. Here's the first one. God is mobile. You get that? When David said, look, God, I want to build you a house, the first thing God said is, look, I'm to this point, David. I've not had a temple. And the reason I haven't had a temple is because when I wanted you to move, we move. The whole point of Israel and the whole point of the tabernacle is when God said, look, you know, they followed that cloud and they followed that pillar of fire. And, and God said, I want to be able to go, okay, let's move over here. We're going to go pack it all up, guys. We're moving. And the one thing that you learn about God is God is, mo- God, God is mobile. That's an important principle. And I understand the Bible, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but that doesn't mean he can't move. One of the things that you see in the nature of God is that God is, is, is always moving. He's always working. He's always in this state of, uh, of moving and doing something. One of the problems with building the temple was everything was kind of settled down. And God said, David, this isn't the time for that yet. Because, see, David, I I still have stuff that I want to do. And, David, you're not my guy to do it. And one of the principles that you see here is this idea of, I come back to um, the early days of this country. The first people that came into this country were pioneers. And what did they do? The, the pioneers would move across into a land, and they would, they, would, they, they, would, they would stay there for a little while until something happened that moved them. Either stuff dried up, or the property wasn't there, or they wanted to go explore other areas. And what would they do? They would pick up, and they would move. And they would, they would stop somewhere for a while and try to figure out a way over the mountain, and then they would go over the mountain, and they'd figure, well, we ain't going to live at the top of the mountain. It gets cold here in the winter. So they kept going and moving and moving and moving. And, and that was the pioneer. Who came in after the pioneers? The settlers. What did they do? They settled. What would they do? They parked, and they developed cities, and they developed little towns, and they developed little villages, and they developed little communities around them. 
They didn't have that pioneer spirit. They weren't pioneers. They were settlers. And there were two very different groups that helped establish who our country was. The pioneers who were the explorers and the ones who were always moving and the ones who were the settlers. Here's what God was saying. David, you need to know right now we've got that pioneer mindset with the children of Israel. We're going to continually move. It's not time yet to settle. There's a time coming for that, but not now. Here's a principle. Understand this. We often get in trouble when we start settling. When we start getting really, really comfortable. And here's the thing that I've noticed. The older I get, the less pioneering spirit I have. I become much more of a settler. But here's the problem. With settling, if you're not careful, you can become complacent. And you can become comfortable. And when you get complacent and comfortable, who do you start depending upon? You. I mean, really, you don't have to pray about money anymore because you've got a retirement. You you, you don't have to really seek God's plan on what you do for the day because you're retired. You just get up and do whatever. You don't have to worry about interaction with people because you can just, like, stay home all day. And what happens is if we're not careful, we get into this settler mentality and we forget the idea that God's always at work around us and God wants us to join him in what he's doing. And what God said to David, and this is what I love, God basically said to David, David, look, you're not the guy to do this. Because, David, this isn't the time to do this right now. I don't want this to happen right now. There'll come a time for it, David, but it's not now. And I I want to challenge you because I think we forget that. And some of you, this is where you are right now in life. You're, You're very comfortable. And here's my question to you. Do you really need God? I mean... If, if we pulled your devotional time out, if we pulled your prayer time out, if we pulled that out, would your day change at all? I mean, even devotions have become a routine and a ritual. It doesn't make a difference. And, and, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, no, 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 we need to be responding to God because God's at work around us. Here's the second thing you see. And and again, all these kind of tie together. But David was focused on the temporary. God was focused long-term. David was focused on this world. I want to build God a house. God was focused on something much, much bigger. God was focused on, no, no, David, you don't understand. Your legacy is not going to be, you built me a house. Your legacy is going to be through you. The son of David is going to come. And the house that he will live in is the house of human hearts who have put their faith and trust in him. See, David, you're thinking small, temporal, what you're faced with. I've got something much, much bigger in in, in line for you. I I love the illustration. That's why I asked to use this this morning. Um, David, you're focused on this. 
You're focused on the external. David, there's something that makes this important. That's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the internal. I'm focused on something that is so much bigger, David, than anything you I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to make a great name for you. I'm gonna, everybody is going to know who David is because the Messiah is going to be son of David. I've got something much bigger in line, David. And I know, David, you want to build me this. But what I'm going to do, David, is I'm going to make something that is center, that is the central part of everything that something like this is. And he said, you don't, you, you don't get it, David. You're, you're looking too long. And look, this is where some of you are right now. You're, you're praying, God, um, God, help me get out of debt. God, God, help me with this health problem. God, help me with this. Help me solve this. You're looking here. And God's going, I want to do this. I want to do this. The reason you're struggling here is because I want to accomplish something that's going to have impact big time. And so often, what do we do? We want God to fix this little thing. And God's tried to do a much, much bigger thing in our lives. And that's what we need to try to see. That's the kind of insight that we need to see is, okay, God, how are you going to... So, so, so what happened? Okay, human nature, what happened? Something happens to us? What's our first question? why if it's something bad what's the question why me god why 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 we're focused on this little house i understand you're going to ask why i do too but let me give you a better question what can you do with this god to make a big impact down here because here's what i've learned why is never a satisfactory question because I never get a satisfied answer. I have yet to say, why God, why God, why God? And God can't explain it to me because it's so intense. And, God, and, and I simply look back at it and go, oh, okay, God. No, because the second God tells me why, then what's my next thing? Well, couldn't we do it better this way? It'd be a lot easier this way, God. This God says, no, 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 let me tell you what I want to do. And sometimes you don't know that. But you can start to see the impact of it down the line. And it's so important. And, 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 and a lot of times that's it. We're focused on the temporary instead of God focused on the... And God's so much focused on something much bigger. David wanted to build a temple. God said, no, 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 no. I want to build a legacy, David. I'm going to build a legacy through you. We're not just going to build some stone thing. I think what you see in the life of David, though, and there's something else... David's got a big dream. I mean, David's got a really big dream. And if you haven't figured it out yet, David's idea of a temple is unlike anything any of the pagan nations have ever seen. I mean, this is a temple. And he's got a big dream, and there's nothing wrong with dreaming. And I hope, I pray, you know, I, I, I meet people. I, I don't understand you. I try to understand you. I don't understand you. But I, I, I meet people who have no dreams. And they're, again, they're, they're settled. They're very comfortable with their life, but there's, there's no dreams. And for me, I don't know, you know, I, I, I like the challenge. I like something out there to look forward to, something out there to dream about, you know. And David here said, you know, David's looking at his life. He's going, you know what, I'm king. I've got a nice house. Uh, everything's really going good. What can I do for God? I know 
I want to build him a temple. And this is what I love. And what did God say to his dream? What did God say? Nope. Not going to do it. How well do you handle it when God says no to you? Because see, this is what you see with David. This is a great thing about David. God comes to it. First of all, God gets, David gets godly counsel. Godly counsel says what? Go do it. And then godly counsel comes back the next day, and he's changed his mind, because this time he's listened to God. And God says, no, and he says, look, David, I'm sorry, but you can't do it. God said, don't do it. How does David respond? Does God go, well, he doesn't want me to build him a house. I'll show him. I can't believe God. The worst thing I, one of the worst things I ever said to my wife once is once, once. I've only said one thing in 30 some odd years of marriage. Don't know. I don't know. We were having some discussion, and, and, and you have to, I process out loud. Okay, that's how I process stuff. And I said something, and she just shot it down right away. And I said, you're a dream killer. Um, my wife had an opinion about me saying that, um, that she was more than happy to share with me. Um, but, <laughs> you know, David didn't look at God and go, God, you're a dream killer. How dare you take away my dream? What did David do? This is what I think is great. Here's a great lesson for us. What did David do? He simply took his effort and energy focused on that dream and redirected it. His dream was still to build the temple. So you know what he does? He says, well, I may not be able to build it. That doesn't mean I can't design it, plan it, teach my kid how to do it, and start storing up materials. He says, look, I may not be the one to build it, but I can, here's the key, I can prepare the next generation to do it for me. This is what I think is so important for us to understand. There are some of you that would love to go back and change things in your life. You can't change them. The past is the past. All you can deal with is the present, which is going, this is mind-boggling for you. Think about this one for a minute. All you can deal with is the present, which is going to be the past and the future. All you can deal with is the present, which is going to be the past and the future. You can make a difference now. You can start saying, you know what? Okay, this is my dream. This is what I want. To I can't do it, so I'm going to channel it this way. I'm going to do it. You, by the way, those of you who have kids in sport, you see this every game. Is there not a parent there who's trying to live out their college or their high school sports experience through their kid? Have you not observed this? They were never the star ball player, but you can bet your money that their kid's going to be because they're going to make sure of it, and they're going to push that kid and push that kid and push that kid. You've seen that happen. Look, that's an unhealthy way to do it, but there is a healthy way to do it. We talked about this in Sunday school. There is a healthy way. Um, for instance, one of the lessons of my wife and I, we got into early in our ministry, early in our life, we got into a lot of debt. We got into a lot of college debt, and then we got into credit card debt. And, and, and it was just, those of you who have been in that thing just know how all-consuming that can be and how binding 
and, and that could be. So we worked very, very hard to get out of debt, and we did. And one thing that we worked with really hard with our kids was the idea of interest is your enemy. We worked very, very hard to, to, to help our kids not make that mistake. Why? We couldn't do anything about our path, but we could work with our kids to say, look, and that doesn't mean they couldn't do it, but we did everything we could to say, look, we don't want you to go down that road. We don't want you as a generation to deal with what we had to deal with as a generation. And there are a lot of things in our lives that we could take to these younger kids, to these younger people in here and say, look, you know what? Here's where I failed as a parent. And we can come alongside some of these younger parents in here and say, look, let me help you not make the mistakes that I made. I had a guy in this church. That's what he did. He pulled me aside and he said, look, one of the things that I learned a long time ago is you start dating your wife every week. And he would actually corner me and catch me and say, hey, when was the last time you took your wife out and what would you do? And he held me to the fire on it. And I... So we invested a lot of time spending time together. Even we get a babysitter, we go out, we go do things, and, and with the kids and all that kind of stuff and, and, and all of that. And then now we're at a point in our lives where we see where that investment paid off. Because we're not strangers now. Because it's just the two of us. And it, it, I, I, I owe where we are right now to that person who invested in our marriage by helping us do the thing that would be best for us in the end and that's what i'm saying that's all david does he pulls back and goes okay god i can't build it you know what i can't build it but i sure in the world can start stocking up supplies i can pour into solomon how to do it and what and, and when you read it when you put the whole story together david i mean david plans the thing and he's got all the stuff stockpiled and when solomon goes time to build the temple he already had the plans he already had the stuff he already had craftsmen that were lined up to do stuff. It was all laid out for him. And we don't talk about David's temple. We talk about Solomon's temple. Because David was able to instill that into his kids. And I want to challenge you because some of you, this is what's happened. You're at a point in your life where you had a dream or whatever else, and it's not going away, and you've just kind of pushed it all down and given up on it and that kind of thing. No, 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 no. Just redirect it. Just because God said no for now doesn't mean it still can't be accomplished. It just may not be you the one to accomplish it. You just might be not be the one to accomplish it. And I think that's what you see in the life of David. And I think you see in the end David's legacy is far greater than just building a temple. Because it is, when we talk about Christ, we talk about Christ as the son of David. The entire book of Matthew is written with that concept in mind. Is he the son of David? Why? Because God had something so much bigger in plan for him. And, and that, that, that's the thing I guess I would, I, I would challenge, challenge you with today. Sum it up, here's what I would say. David wanted to do something big for God. But God wanted to do something big for David. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. But sometimes, God says no to our dream. And all that means is that God's no is a way to redirect our time, energy, and effort to watch God do much bigger things than we ever planned. 
those of you who know the history here, and, and again, as we get more and more new people, it, it's hard for everybody to know the stories, and I feel like I repeat it over and over again. But let me tell you something. We are here this morning because we have watched this happen. I remember the day when we were trying to decide whether or not to move. I had already figured out where this place was going to be built, and it wasn't here. I had already determined where got the land. I mean, I had named it and claimed it, believe me. It just so happened that the people who we, were, I, we wanted to get it from didn't, didn't see it that way. And they didn't want to sell it. And I kept thinking, well, you're fighting God. And you're going to lose because that's where we're going to be. And somebody came along and said, hey, look, we're willing to give you this ground. i got to be honest with you. I'm like, oh, good. You know, I'm, if you don't know me... I like free stuff, okay? Um, I like free stuff. I figure you can always use it somehow. So don't give me anything. Believe me, I'm trying to downsize, and, and I've got, got a lot of stuff getting hauled out in the next couple of months. But anyway, um, but uh, they gave us this land, and you've got to understand, you guys are watching this dirt move. What you don't understand is where this church sits right now was higher than that. This was a corner that was all of that. And we got this land, and I'm thinking, well, maybe God, I don't know what God's doing. I knew God, we knew God wanted us to move. That's all we knew. And I'm looking at it going, okay. Went to the county, said, you want the dirt? No, we don't want it. So we said, okay, we'll build at the top of the hill. You, had we had it originally, you were going to need a 4 by 4 to get to the top of this church. It was going to be the church of the truck because if you didn't have four-wheel drive, you were not going to get all the way up to the top of the hill. But we thought, you know what? That's what we got, so we were going to build a way up the top. And all of a sudden, God came in and moved a tremendous amount of dirt. And we're watching the same thing happen all over again. We said, this is our dream, God. This is the way we think it ought to happen. And God said, nope. But here's what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And you just trust me. And I'll do what I need to do here. And I stand here this morning and I look back and I think, wow. God's way was so much better. Because even I wouldn't be able to get to church because I don't have a four-wheel drive. And I don't know that I'd been that excited about parking at the bottom of the hill and walking up every Sunday. Um, God's way was so much better. And you go, what's he doing out here? I don't know. I just know every Sunday I pull up, more dirt's gone. And I have people, I had somebody call me this week, say, hey, can we get dirt? Sure. You know, who, who's up, whose equipment's up there? Don't know. Just go up and ask him to load you up. Um... Don't they get on there like, well, who's in charge? Don't know. It just keeps going away. It's great. Why? Because God's plan is so much better than anything we've got in mind. And be careful you're not so focused on the temporal thing that you miss the big picture. Because that's what you see in the life of David. He wanted a temple, and God said, no, no, no. I'm going to use you to create a legacy, David. Trust him. Trust him. His way is always the best way. Just trust him. Let's pray. Lord, help us.
God, we are so, so focused on the here and now. Lord, so many of the things that we spend our time, energy, and effort on are temporal. Lord, they're not going to last. And Lord, we worry about it, and we, we spend energy and money and, and get frustrated over it, and we spend so much time focused on those kinds of things. And Lord, you're at work trying to do something much greater, so help us to open our eyes a little bit and see that. And Lord, for those here this morning who... They've been begging you for something for a long time, and you've said no. Would you help them to realize that it's because you've got a different plan and a much better plan? For those this morning, Lord, that have stopped dreaming, would you help them to dream again? For those that have gotten settled, Lord, would you help them to understand that, uh, Lord, you're at work, and you really want them to be a part of it. And Lord, for all of us, may we be able to look past the, the temporal stuff in our lives, and see you at work doing something much, much greater. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may you be honored and glorified with our lives and with the way we live it this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together.